Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. What does good health mean to you? I asked this question in the Facebook group because we're all out there, we're striving, we're trying to invest our money, we're trying to get a pay rise, we're trying to do the best thing that we can do to make our life better and have more money and this podcast is a personal finance podcast, but without your health, what are you? What have you got? And I know a lot of you are going through chronic health conditions. I know a lot of you are in different seasons of your personal health, but this episode, it is actually here just to pause and almost like a PSA for everybody. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, all that stuff. Now, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Priya Shagan. She's the General Manager of Health Services at Tau. And a lot of you might be thinking, why have you got a doctor on from an insurance company? Well, the thing is, as you know, Tau is one of our show partners here at My Millennial Money. And the advantage of having an awesome large company is you have the advantage of calling upon such companies and having access to good people like... Dr. Priya. Priya, welcome to My Millennial Money. Thank you, Glenn. Good to be here. All right, let's get into it. Priya, you're a medical practitioner. You're a doctor. I want to just first set the scene because this episode, it isn't about insurance. So, I want everyone just to chill out for a second We will cover some things about insurance and how it relates to uh, what we are talking about, but this really is an episode to remind people that their health is more important than any investment portfolio that you've got. Your health is more important than any of your career goals. Your health is everything. And people who have been affected by ill health or family members that have been affected by ill health, it can really disrupt a lot of things. So, Priya, just... The lay of the land, can you tell us a little bit about you as a person, as a professional, and a bit of a history 101 on Dr. Priya? Thanks, Glenn. Absolutely. So, uh, I guess it all started uh, a while back and um, when I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and I suppose my passion was around helping people. I always wanted to help people and so medicine was a natural career choice and um, I suppose when I embarked on on that career, I um, started my career as a, as a GP. Um, and the reason I went into general practice was I really wanted to not only help people, but educate people. So it wasn't only about seeing people and helping them when they're unwell, but also use that that interaction and that opportunity to actually provide education and, and help them with um, giving them advice on how to stay healthy. And I suppose being in that career for some time... Um, it became quite frustrating. And I think, you know, 
many GPs or many individuals out there can identify with this in, in that GPs are very time poor. They don't have a lot of time. And so it is a bit of a conveyor belt system in that people in, people out. Um, and so, I, you know, there wasn't that time to have those good quality conversations. And I was always interested with that link between work and, and health and that interaction between those two. And so I suppose that led me to become interested and study further. And I ended up um, studying and working in occupational medicine. Um, and that was really cool because I got to work within different workplaces and got a better understanding of that link between work and health. And what does that look like? So what sort of conditions impact people in a workplace and, and vice versa? What, um, how, do, how do workplaces impact on, on people's health and well-being? Through some of the work that I did, I, I did join uh, the world of life insurance. And for me, it was really fascinating because it was something that was new and that was a couple of years back. But I suppose as I started to work and learn about life insurance, the one thing that it was very clear was it all revolves around health. So even if you if you think about life insurance, um, it's around your health. It's around protecting your health and providing financial protection for when something goes wrong with your health. And so that felt like my home. Um, and the reason I've been there for, for more than 15 years now is because what it does do is allows us to communicate with so many more people and provide that education. So, you know, life insurance sort of kicks into action when people become unwell at claim time. And that's really the core function of life insurance. But there's also opportunities to be engaging with our customers and talking and educating them about their health and, and how they can stay healthy. Okay, I've got lots of questions. Number one, you talk about life insurance. A lot of people think life insurance is just death cover. Mm -hmm. It's an umbrella term, isn't it? Because if someone is deceased, well, they don't need you. But I just wanted to say probably more of a FYI, everybody, when we talk about life insurance, we are talking about disability insurance. We are talking about income insurance. We are talking about trauma insurance. So I think... Very true, Glenn. And yeah. I think that's a common misconception is um, particularly for your listenership in terms of millennials. I think a lot of people are, you know, don't take an interest in life insurance because that's exactly what they think. It's about when I die and I'm in my 20s or 30s and I'm not going to die. So, you know, why should I be interested? But, you, you know, you're, you're correct. It, it is about living benefits and mm. protecting your income for when you're working. Mm. And that's, as you said, income protection, total and permanent disability, um, and then trauma cover, obviously, for those unforeseen life events that happen. Now, I don't want to talk this whole episode about insurance because I do want to talk about health, and I want this to be a reminder for people to get a checkup if they need to, or if they haven't seen their doctor in a million years, or if they don't have a doctor. I've got a friend, Dirty Mike, what up? He probably wouldn't know what a doctor is, and he's probably 40 in about 10 minutes, and he's never been to a doctor. So, you know, this is for you, Dirty Mike. But two things before we move on to the health stuff. Before we hit record, and before we got started, you said you'd moved several countries Tell mm. us about your journey and all these countries. What was all that about? Oh, good. Oh, very interesting. So um, I started my journey in South Africa. So grew up and schooled there, studied there, did my undergrad there. 
Um, and then after that, I think like uh, many South Africans, uh, is there's a desire to earn foreign currency. And so my journey led me to the UK because I could continue to work in the UK. And I suppose my passion at that stage was pediatrics. I was really interested in working with children and did some jobs there. Um, however, there were probably other things that other people had in mind. And I ended up moving to, to Italy and lived in Italy for four years. And I suppose during that time, kept on connected to the medical world and went back and forth to the UK. And I suppose, you know, bringing it back to health and I suppose looking at health systems in different countries and how people experience that. And I suppose what people's perceptions and behaviours and cultural practices. And I suppose even bringing that back to an Australian community where we do have a very diverse population. Um, and what does that mean in terms of, uh, you know, it's not a one size fits all approach mm. and everyone's going to identify and resonate with different messaging and different approaches. So I suppose just in terms of the journey, that travel sort of dynamic continued and we, after Europe, we moved back to South Africa. We then had an amazing opportunity to live in Rwanda, in East Africa, for four years in Kigali. Um, that was amazing. Mm. Uh, you know, a country that is developing at an exponential rate. I mean, they've got telehealth, they've got mobile clinics. So despite being a very resource poor country, um, the little that they do have, they use optimally. Um, and so that was an amazing mm. country and, and environment to, to be exposed to. We then did a shorter stint in South Africa and um, then been in Australia for the last sort of six, close to six years now. I think it's fascinating. Like, I've only ever lived in Australia and I'm of the view that, look, if you have a, a medical crisis and you need to go to the public hospital, on balance, you're going to get in, you're going to get hooked up. Given your experience with different countries around the world, like, what's your view of the Australian health system at the moment? You are very fortunate in Australia to have the health system that we do. I mean, in terms of resources, facilities, access to care and Medicare. Mm. In a majority of countries that I've lived in and worked in, there is no social health system. So um, the public health facilities that people resort to are of resource poor, don't have the expertise that you would expect. And it, it's not a good situation. Whereas I suppose if you look at a country like Australia, where access to primary health care is almost a given for the majority mm. of the population, the level of service and the level of care and the level of cover um, that people have is is extraordinary. Yeah. Well, there you go, everyone. You know, is it perfect? Probably not. Is it better than a lot of other places? Probably. Definitely. Yeah. So, okay. That's just setting the scene of a bit of the vibe of Dr. Priya. Now, you work for an insurance company. You you were the CMO at Tau, Chief Medical Officer. Why do insurance companies employ doctors? Good question, Glenn. So, interestingly, I was um, the first full-time in-house Chief Medical Officer at Tau, and I started in 2016. And if I look at where we are now as a business, we now employ eight full-time doctors. So you asked why do we have a doctor within a life insurer? I suppose when we think about what do life insurers do is they provide financial protection for when something goes wrong with people's health. And so health is really a key factor in terms of us looking after our customers' health. And for us to be able to do that... Um, and as your listeners may be aware, I know you do amazing podcasts and you've, you've probably covered life insurances. If we look at our life insurance journey, we as organizations, we develop products 
Within those products, we have definitions. We have medical definitions. We have financial definitions. So it's really important that we understand uh, or make ensure that our definitions are accurate, that they're updated. Um, and that's one of the functions that a CMO does is reviewing those definitions on a regular basis um, and working with not just doctors within our organization, but working with our external health community to make sure that we are aligned with the latest medical technology, advances, definitions that are happening and align to what our customers expect also. Mm. We also need to make sure that they're easy for customers to understand and that they're easy for our teams to assess and that we have consistency in the way we apply them. The next phase of, uh, I suppose, moving on from product is we develop products and we sell them to customers and our customers, some of our customers will go through an underwriting process. Um, and underwriting essentially is the way that we assess risk. And so our underwriters will look at a variety of different types of information. There'll be medical information, occupational, financial information. And so it's important that they understand and are able to interpret and analyze that. And how do we make it easier to make sure that they are able to do that in an accurate way, in a fair way for our customers? Uh, one of the things that I would do as a chief medical officer is help with some of those more complex cases. You know, there's a lot of information that comes to an underwriter. Um, and what we know with health is it doesn't sit in neat little boxes. So a person might have a variety of different conditions. And I suppose what we would help with is how do those relate to each other? And I suppose when we're assessing risk, how do those interact with each other? Um, and so that's one of the things that a, a CMO, a medical officer would be helping underwriters with is to look at those um, conditions collectively in a holistic way and looking at um, what that means overall. And I think for life insurance, we're always looking to be inclusive. So we want to make sure that we're not just pulling out one factor, but we actually are considering that individual as a whole and assessing, assessing risk in a holistic way. You talked about making sure that you were still had the finger on the pulse and you know looking at outside of insurance land to see what modern medicine is doing mm. in my experience and just over the last 15 years when i started as a financial advisor and we might place an insurance policy with somebody and there might be uh, an issue might be high cholesterol or blood pressure or something like that and the book said that this condition needs to be loaded and you need to pay more. Now, over time, things can change because those conditions back then that may have been loaded or, you know, excluded mm. now can be accepted at normal rates because of the stuff that you do and your team does. Is that a fair statement? Very true, yeah. What do I want to do? I want to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about how people should consider looking at their health we're going to read a heap of comments that you said in the Facebook group, everyone who's listening. But I, I just from, from a personal note, just around the doctor at the insurance company thing, quote unquote, is just to give you an idea that, you know, when I teach, you know, have insurance as part of your sound financial house, it's a very serious thing to protect you, the individual. And when you go through an underwriting process, it's a very serious thing. And if you've got health issues, the insurer will actually look at that with the degree of effort that it deserves to look at to see if they can offer you terms based on your current health history. And it's probably just a, a note for those who may have been 
declined five, six, seven, ten years ago and you still have a need for protection in your life, go back to an advisor and say, look, this happened ten years ago. Mm. So, I, I don't think it's um, all lost, particularly the way things are heading. So, we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As you can see, a lot goes into the background behind insurance with your medical history and having a good team of doctors in an insurance company is actually what you want as part of your underwriting process. Uh, because this is the whole thing with computers and technology. At this point, computers can't make an on-balance call and real people with experience in the world can. So just to add to that, Glenn, mm. uh, in addition to our team of doctors, we also have a team of forensic accountants. Oh, gosh. So so again, you know, similar to medical complexity, as you would know, there's a lot of financial complexity in terms of sort of multiple entities, single entities, you know, different mm. business structures. So that's the other thing that we have is a team of accountants within our team because uh, our team is aligned to sort of medical, physical and financial health. And so um, it's quite unique. So mm. the tell structure is quite unique compared to other insurers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in similar vein, you know, it's a, it, there's a lot of complexity, which I think many many customers wouldn't know, yeah. you know, the complexity. And so I suppose having professionals that actually can make sure that what what we do is done in an accurate way by the right level of professionalism is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. What does good health mean to you? Well, in the Facebook group, Danielle Perry said, good health isn't just the absence of infirmity or disease. It's a holistic picture of physical, mental, emotional, and social well-being, including financial health, maintaining good relationships, you know, either platonic or fam- familial, familial, how do you say that word? Familial. Fa- familial or romantic, access to education or employment opportunities, the list goes on. Mary Callahan, physically having the energy and stamina to do most things without feeling so drained after it, mentally being able to cope and handle stresses, having a clear mind and a positive mindset. 
Sam Betton, for me personally, good health relates to four key areas, which are physical, nutrition, mental, and social. Uh, Teresa Borton, access to diagnostic equipment. That's a a big concern. Um, She said her closest pet machine is 500 kilometers away. So that's a big thing. Jesse Townsend said uh, good health means to her that it's one of her core values and it means a lot of little things, physical health, mental health, exercising five times a week, being in the sun and outdoors, fasting, eating healthy meals, avoiding the snacks. I mean, there's lots of feedback in there of what good health means. But how should we be actually looking at holistic health? And when I got, you know, your comments around what your view was before this episode, I saw the H word, holistic. And sometimes it gives me the heebie-jeebies because it's like, well, we've got five different stones in that corner and a candle there and it's all wacko stuff. But it's actually, it doesn't mean that, does it, surely? No, and I think it it means different things to different people also. I suppose for me, the word holistic uh, talks to the linkages between those different components. I think your first comment you read out from Danielle, that that's the World Health Organization definition of health. So that interaction between physical, mental and social, which I suppose within within my world, we, we've sort of tagged on financial into that because um, they are all linked. So I suppose if you think of, uh, I, I like to use the pandemic example. So I suppose if you use COVID as an example, I mean, that's a perfect um, example of the interaction of those dynamics. Because if you think we we have a virus which is impacting on your physical health, um, when we think last one to two years, we had restrictions imposed globally. Um, and that had a significant impact on people's financial health as well as their mental health. So, you know, it and I suppose you could take any scenario of, you know, person being diagnosed with cancer and the impact that has on your finances as well as your mental health. So, I think for me, holistic is really um, looking at all of those and the interconnectedness because they all are very much linked to each other. We talk about this holistic health and all these different pillars and there might be listeners thinking, oh, it's okay, nothing will really happen to me, it hasn't before. I know as we're younger, we think that we're bulletproof and it's all good. Mm. As we get older, we see friends and family go through things It does kind of, for me, the holistic health and being at balance in all these different areas, the preventative angle does come into it, doesn't it? So as a bit of a a 101, you know, how can we approach this health space? For someone listening, thinking, well, I think I'm healthy. Do I need to do anything? Like any words of wisdom for them? And I think, yeah, when you're healthy, you don't think about what might happen in the future. You know, mm. you're, you're in your 20s and 30s, everything's going well, you're, you're out and about and you're getting on with things. Um, but I think that age is really important to, to start this focus on understanding your health and, and what you need to be considering. Um, because typically this is the age group where things start to develop. You know, if we think of uh, the word chronic disease, that's what typically people in their 40s and 50s start getting the diagnosis of. And so within this age range of, you know, people in their 20s and 30s, when you're feeling like you're invincible and you can do everything, um, it's a really good start to take an interest in 
in getting checked. So we, we hear the term health literacy a lot. Mm. And I suppose, you know, when you break that down, what is it? Because what we find is there's so much information out there. There's so much, um, you know, confusing, complicated information, different fads, different, you know, new things out there. And it can be sometimes quite overwhelming to know what is real, what, what you trust. So I think having access to good, credible sources of information is really important. So evidence-based information. And the purpose of having that access to information is being able to make decisions based on that information. So I would say that's the first step is, you know, making sure that you have access to good information. Um, I mean, the government health websites are a great resource in terms of having that, you know, good evidence-based information, uh, which is credible. The next step is getting checked, mm. you know, going for a check and, and getting those basic parameters. And it's not complicated. It's it's things like your your height and your weight your blood pressure, your blood glucose. And there's actually, so so doctors will have a little Bible, what, what they refer to as the Red Book. Um, and that essentially is a guide based on your gender and age, what sort of tests are appropriate for you based on where you are in your in your journey. And so it's a really good, good place to start is booking in a consult. Um, I think finding a GP that that you identify with and that knows you is always a good good start also um, is going in and having that conversation and and they'll be able to look at things like your family history because um, often some of these conditions are not just don't just develop in you okay I'll, I'll tell you a wild story and this is unsolicited advice to anyone out there ask if you're in a position to ask your parents if they have any ongoing health issues just so you know, because I shared on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I'll tell you and anyone who hasn't listened to the episode, just so you're aware. I went uh, for some wrist surgery, carpal tunnel release last mm. year. I was at the hospital, blood pressure machine um, in the kind of checking thing with the nurse. She's like, oh, you've got high blood pressure. She said, oh, it's probably just, you know, nervous or white coat. And because I'd had lots of ankle operations and other procedures, mm. I like don't get nervous. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I might go to my doctor because I'm not nervous. If my blood pressure is high here, I can tell you there's, you know, there's an issue. Mm. Went to the doctor, he checked and he said, you've got high blood pressure. Mm. Um, I need you to track it for, you know, this was in January. He's like, I need you to track it for a month and come back. And he said, oh, do, do your parents have high blood pressure? I said, nah, nah, I think maybe my uncle or something, but nah, mum and dad are cool, no issues. Anyway, I didn't bother checking it. Like I started to, then lost track and it was at the high side of, well, the low side of high type of that, mm. you know, 140 over 90 type, well, we need to look at this type of thing. Anyway, went back to get a script filled and <laughs> I actually asked my parents, are you on high blood pressure medication? And mum texts back, she's on four medications and dad's on three. So there's a categorical family history of high blood pressure. Yep. And my GP said, look, for you, the house isn't on fire now, but you need to be aware of this stuff. Mm. He put me on the scales. He he said, "I, you got to lose some weight, mate. Like your BMI's like too high. Mm. I'm being dramatic and paraphrasing for the sake of entertainment, but I did make him laugh. I'm like, so what are you saying? <laughs> Eat less and move? He's like, yes. Um, 
But it was just one of those things like, and maybe you could talk to this thing that if you haven't been to the doctor for at least a checkup hmm. in the last, what, two years? Yeah. Three? I'd say two, two to three years, you know, just, just, just book it in. Book it in. Book it in. Because the high blood pressure, this is the thing, hmm. for me, it's not causing me any symptoms. You're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel it. Even if you have a borderline high glucose, you're not going to feel it. So these are things that are silent. You know, they, mm. you're just not going to sense it. Yeah. Um, but if you test for it, yeah. it will get picked up. And look, even to make it easier, you know, if there's that fear of going to the doctor, a lot of pharmacies now also do screening tests. So I think the the benefit and the value of seeing a doctor is is having that more holistic approach and mm. they have the time and they can request pathology tests and, and request additional investigations if you need to go for that. Yeah. And also that second point in time. So if you need to go back, when that needs to be and what do you need to do? So this is so important because, you know, if my blood pressure, if I didn't get on top of it and I, I didn't, I like to think I've got a good relationship with my GP because I'm on... Um, and people know this, they've listened, I'm on Effexor for anxiety, which I need to go and get that. I'm on Somac for reflux. And it's fascinating, like, I'm, you know, I'm well aware, everyone, (laughs) you know, I've got to change some habits here because if you look at the the blood pressure, the effect of the Somac for reflux, Mm. like a lot of this, like, would actually probably go away if I lost 10 kilos or yes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, yeah, but this is the thing. It's, um, it's all habits mm. and behaviors. Yes. And what I did with my GP, I said to him, look, I'm the type of person that needs accountability. Mm. So I said to him, I'm going to come back every month and show you my recorded blood pressure mm. because he said, I don't want to medicate you because it's borderline. And I think we can get it down with diet and exercise so what I've kind of had, I've had this like come to Jesus moment with my health that, oh crap, I'm old now and, you know, I actually have to be on top of this. Like, mm. I, it's just wild, right? So I'm just such a fan of everyone having a good relationship with their GP. Mm. But there's the correlation there of personal finance. Like for me, yeah, I can save money. I can, you know, have a good budget. I can't do my health. That's why I need this encouragement where some other people are really good with their health and struggle with the money side. And you need both. Yes. You you need both because they definitely relate to each other. I mean, just, uh, you know, what you've done and what you've just sort of illustrated is that importance of, of having that conversation and that relationship with your doctor. I mean, we were talking about parents and, and obviously you at a young age being aware of these risk factors. So I think when you think in the longer term, Australians have a really long life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So we're living for longer and longer. So if you think about, you know, your high blood pressure that's not identified and not managed, um, if that doesn't get managed in the long term, what's what's your risk? Your risk is that you're likely to have a heart attack. You're likely to have a stroke. So despite you living for longer, you also got to consider your quality of life and what sort of life are you going to have in those later years? And what sort of life do you want to have? Um, and I suppose that ties into in terms of financial health and what are you going to need when you are in the position that you may have a, you know, one or it's, two or three it's clinical It's funny conditions. because I've been talking about this thing lately and I said it to my dad because he needs to retire now. And I know a lot of you listening aren't at retirement age 
and he texted me the other day because he's 66. You know, they've got the money. He can retire. And he goes, oh, I've just been offered a job. It's a six-month role doing this manual thing in Port Macquarie, really good money. I wrote back to him and said, at what cost? Mm. And I think a lot of us need to really think about that. At what cost are Mm. you doing the overtime? Mm. Mm. Might get more money in the bank and you might have to for a short period of time to pay off some debt. But long term... What the, impact is going yeah, to happen? Yeah, the striving in your, in and your career your yeah. and your mental health. And we'll talk about mental health, mm. but at what cost do you ignore your health? And I mean, you think about your retirement. So, you know, what do you want to do in your retirement? You don't want to be sitting in a wheelchair or sitting in hospitals. So it's really th- taking that long-term view mm. in terms of quality and life and and I suppose living a healthy life and, and living a healthy retirement also. Mm. So again, let's just continue the PSA on preventative health. What else could someone be checking if they haven't been to a GP for a couple of years? So cancer, ca- cancer is a big one. And I suppose if I can talk a little bit about skin cancer, it's one of the commonest cancers. And I think the important thing to to know about skin cancer is it's one that's actually quite easy to detect and prevent. So we have a Tell Spot Checker campaign that we run. What that is around is creating awareness around skin cancer and also encouraging people to check their skin. So it's really important, I think, with any of these preventions of things is is checking yourself and knowing what's normal for yourself. And particularly with skin cancer, you know, your skin is something that you see every day. Um, and so really encouraging people to know their spots and check their spots. And if there are any changes, to go and get a professional skin check. And I suppose when you think, why is this important? Because if you pick it up early, first of all, it's much easier to treat um, and your prognosis is is so much better if you pick these things up early. At the start of COVID, um, at the start of 2020, and if you've been listening for a while, you've heard this story, but there's heaps of new listeners and Priya hasn't heard this, so gather around children. At the start of 2020, I had this gut feeling that I need to go get a skin check. Don't know why, just got to get a skin check. COVID hit, lockdowns. I'm like, oh, stuff going to the bloody doctor. And that was half the thing, right? With the lockdowns, diagnoses went down because people weren't going to the doctor, right? And I was that like, oh, stuff going to the bloody doctor. There's you know, mm. masks and all that at the time. Anyway, in July, I still had this thing. I've got to go and get my skin checked. Don't know why. Anyway, when I got my skin checked, doctor said, oh, this thing's weird on your leg. Oh, I'll take it and send it. I got, he, got, he took the thing out of my leg and he said, oh, I'll just send this off. And I said, oh, can you get this thing out of my face? Well, he goes, oh, I don't have time, but do you want to come back next week? So I booked in to come back next week. Anyway, I go back to the doctor and sit down and she's got the bed. She's like, all right, just pull your jeans off. I said, oh no, he took that last week. I'm here to get my face thing done. And she went, oh, anyway, he came in. Mm. He then told me, he goes, oh, it was actually a melanoma Hmm. in your leg. Mm. So he says, I've got to now take a big chunk. And there was Mm. like 18 stitches Mm. that they took out of my leg. And it scared the crap out of me. Because he said to me, that gut feeling you had may save your life because if that melanoma went vertical, exactly, show's over, statistically, right? Yep. So, it was just a real wake-up call to me. Mm. I'm just like a walking 
thing waiting to happen, aren't I? <laughs> like, it's just wild. But you, first of all, you've done some really good things, Glenn. I mean, you've been to your doctor, you've gotten your blood pressure picked up, your doctor's done the right thing and educated you regarding lifestyle changes, which you've made. You've gotten your skin checked. You know, you're doing all the right I, things. I, so I, I had him laughing because I said, you're fat shaming me, telling me to exercise. <laughs> But you're on the right track. So, you know, I think and, and that that literally that skin check could have saved your life. I want to talk about breast cancer for the women and men listening. Mm. I heard a story the other day, someone I knew, um, he was a male that was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's not just uh, for women, but it is more likely in yep. women. Uh, for those listening, how like... Just give us a 101 preventative breast cancer thingy. Like, what are we doing? You're checking yourself. Yeah. So, you're examining your breasts on a, on a regular basis. And, and like I said before, it's getting to know what's normal for mm. you. So, when we think of breast screening services at a national level, there's mammograms that are available to women over the age of 50. And so, you're encouraged to, to see your doctor and book that in once you reach 50. Um, you can access that from the age of 40. Um, sadly, though, we are seeing breast cancer diagnosis in women under the age of 40. So they are, we've definitely seen seeing an uptick in terms of breast, new breast cancer diagnosis in younger women. And I suppose if you think about it, those women are not eligible for mammograms at that age. Mm. So checking yourself is really important. So the majority of women who are under that age range have picked up their lumps through either examination when they're in the shower or dressing themselves or even by a partner. So really important to, to check yourself on a regular basis. Mm. And then if you feel anything that doesn't feel quite right is to get that checked out. And just like a lot of people, and I, I want to draw parallels uh, when I was a financial advisor, people would be scared to go to a financial advisor because I'd say, I didn't want to come, Glenn, because I've got all this debt. I didn't want to come because I don't have as much saving. Like for me, I just encourage anyone to come and have a chat and there's no shame to come with whatever financial situation you've got. Likewise, in the medical world, I would say there is absolutely zero shame. There's no judgment. And no judgment. So, There's if you no are judgment. worried, yes, I mean, you know, I had to, if you want to get real wild, everyone, and it's, it's awkward, but I had some uh, testicular pain mm. and went to the doctor and I was freaking out because I'm like, oh, that's weird. And but it was just business as usual. It's like, oh, yeah, we check this, do that. So they go, yeah, it can happen and it goes away. See you later. Like, for me, that was like so, and it's embarrassing to say it now, but I'm putting myself on the altar for those who are well, it, feeling it, it, nervous about exactly. stuff. And it is a personal thing. So, mm. obviously, going to a doctor and speaking about something that's personal is is difficult. And I suppose mental health is, is one of those areas where people might feel that they're struggling and not know who to talk to. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we'd really encourage people to, to reach out and, and talk to your doctor because you know, there's so much support that is out there. So... It's a first step and it sometimes can be st scary, but taking that first step is so important in mm. terms of being on the right path. And I will say, like, if you do, uh, for example, have an issue and you want to go to your GP and they send you for imaging, 
you can actually call the imaging place and request either a male or female. And that's okay. I just think you're, you're allowed to do whatever makes you comfortable because at the end of the day, the medical world, you guys don't care. And this was the whole thing like, let's, there was a comment and I'll just read it because I, don't, I want to acknowledge it. Uh, but what I did, I saw this and in light of Tao being our show partner, there's a question here and I'll, I'll read it and then I'll say what's going to go down. Uh, and this is anonymous. I don't know if it's in the scope of the episode, but I'd love to hear some critical discussion around mental health care, e.g. a mental health care plans, medications, therapy, and how it impacts insurance. I understand that if you're receiving a treatment, then it's a pre-existing condition and impacts insurance, but wouldn't it be worse for overall health outcomes not to be actively managing one's mental health? Now, I read that and in line with obviously Tal being our show partner and being uh, an insurance company, I want to do a dedicated episode on mental health. So I've run it up the flagpole with Tal and said, let's get somebody on. I'm getting Glenn Baird, the head of mental health from Tal, and we'll do a whole episode about mental health, guys. So I, I don't want to just brush over this because this is its own thing. But just in line with the mental health, when I first received my diagnosis, I, you know what stopped me from being treated was the fear about telling the doctor. And I went to the doctor at the time, Warnervale GP Superclinic, my old doctor, Stephen Green, went to him. And I said, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, I've got no, I'm just flat. I was almost in tears telling him. And I I expected him to be like, oh, that's weird, you freak. Like, that's not normal, Glenn. But he was like, oh, cool. Well, let's just do this. He goes, you might have a bit of depression. Like, and he said it like, you might have a bit of depression. No different than, oh, you've got this. Like, so I want this to be an encouragement around this preventative health thing that if you don't think something's right, either physically in your body, you might feel a lump, you might notice something. Or if you don't feel like you're happy all the time. And Priya, like for the mental health thing, one of the things with me was all the external things in my life. I was living in my brand new house that I wanted in my dream suburb. I had all the time in the world. I had lots of money. All these physical things in my life were the envy of a lot of people, but I still felt like rubbish and I was done with life. So that was the one I'm like, oh, hang on, something's got to be wrong because I've got it all, quote unquote. I should not be feeling this way. Mm. So do you want to make any comments on the mental health thing from a, a practitioner or a preventative lens before we move on? So recently in the last few weeks, they started releasing results of the census that was done in Australia 2021. And interestingly, they had a new question on chronic conditions in Australia. And so mental health was actually the top chronic condition in Australia, um, which is probably not surprising when you think of timing of the census. And if you think of not only just in Australia, but globally, um, we're seeing definitely an increase in in 
diagnoses of mental health conditions. And there are probably a couple of reasons for that. Some of them are good, I suppose, in terms of people feeling comfortable talking about this, which is really important because I think you can often go and struggle uh, quietly and, and, you know, nobody, you don't feel comfortable talking to people and it doesn't get addressed. So I think the fact that people are becoming more aware, more comfortable, having more avenues to talk about it, um, there's just less stigma. Mm. And so that's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. So people feeling comfortable talking about it. And I mean, you talked about obviously speaking to your GP and yes, GPs have seen it all and we mm. see it all. So, you know, nothing really phase is going to phase your, your doctor. It's really important just to reach out and talk to somebody. And maybe the first step isn't always your doctor, but it's really taking that first step and reaching out to somebody. Um, there's a variety of resources that are available out there. Um, we've actually developed something called a health connector, which is you know, available on our website, but it's free for anyone to oh, use. We might put it in the show notes. Yeah, um, it's called a Telehealth Connector mm. because what we became aware of is there's so many resources which are free within in the community, mm. which which people have access to. And so you want a one-stop shop in terms of where do you go to to find what, what are those good resources to use. Mm. So if people make their way to our website, you know, they can look up Telehealth Connected will come up. Um, you can just put in your condition and where you live mm. and we'll come up with a whole range of, of resources within your community that you can access free of charge. So I want to finish up and maybe talk about um, some chronic conditions and things that may compound. And for me, you know, my BMI, quote unquote, says that needs to be a, a lower number. Um, and we did talk about the things that we can't see like it might be blood pressure or, you know, we can't see, you might have a melanoma that you can't see, but a, but a doctor would know what it was. The things that we can see in our lives, like I can see that I've got a bit of a tummy, right? I can see that, I don't know, or I know that I'm not well or depressed. Like maybe can we bring it home with how do we prevent things from compounding and are there some basic things that 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 our listeners can take away from today and start to implement in their life to actually have a good health prevention plan in their own life mm. so there are probably two things you can do the one the first is obviously what can you do for yourself. And I suppose this relates to whether you can see it or you can't see it. Um, there's a couple of basic principles which, you know, definitely encourage everyone to to follow. And these are not new and they may sound really boring, but they really are. They're so important. It's moving more. It's really incorporating physical activity into your day, however you do that. And I suppose, you know, not everyone is going to be a gym bunny and, and sign up to go to the gym, but that could look different for everybody. And, and it's all good. It's just moving more. Um, the second one is obviously being conscious of what you're eating. And so, you know, processed foods are not a good thing. Uh, added sugar is not a good thing. So, you know, keep your diet natural. Lots of fruits, vegetables, proteins. Just eat real food real food that's not packaged in plastic. And then the third one is sleep. 
Mm. I think people underestimate the value of sleep and good quality sleep and how that is so important in terms of our minds being clear and fresh and being able to function and the impact that has on on your overall health is is good sleep. So those are some of the things that we can do for ourselves and, and staying healthy. And then the second part is really how do we interact with the healthcare system? So I think typically in Australia, our healthcare system is designed to treat people who are unwell, but we can change that. So I think in terms of how we engage with our healthcare providers and and we talked a lot about, you know, seeing your GP, developing that relationship, going in for those regular checks um, and building that into your preventative health care plan, I think is is a really good place to start. It's so fascinating because in the money world, everyone wants to get rich quick. Everyone wants to have a portfolio and retire tomorrow. But there are some basic fundamentals where we have to systematically spend less than what we earn and invest the rest on an ongoing basis. Now, that's boring. And you just told us to just do some exercise, to see GP. All this is boring stuff, but it it compounds in a good way, right? So let me ask you, what do you think health looks like in the future? It's really interesting. Um, there is so much technology that's happening in the health space at the moment. But I think overall, what's what the direction in which it's going is better understanding our own risks and our own lifestyle factors. So, I mean, something we already are using and we're probably all very familiar with is tracking devices. So, we think everyone has a smartphone um, and... You might be aware, you may not, but your smartphone is actually tracking a lot of things about you. Mm. It picks up your sleep, it can pick up your heart rate, your respiratory rate. Um, you know, a lot of people are using watches, smart watches now, which will tell you to take a breath, breathe to reduce anxiety. So I think already, you know, we're starting to see a great focus on people just being aware of their own behavior and what they need to do to modify that Mm. and what does that look like. Um, And that extends, I suppose, into the genetic world. Um, People often think genetics is about, you know, picking up diseases and Mm. and yes, it does do that. But also we all have our own genetic makeup and that influences what potentially we as individuals need may be different in terms of how we stay well. So there's a much stronger focus in terms of that personalized approach and I suppose that extends to a treatment um, space also. So when we're looking at what does treatment for conditions look like, it is going down to that genetic and individual level to understand what treatment a person may respond to based Mm. on their underlying makeup. Mm. Um, So it's really exciting. I mean, there's a lot of really amazing advances happening out there, um, but it really, there's there's a very strong focus in terms of staying healthy and on that prevention aspect. Yeah, I... I've enjoyed this chat because coming into it, I didn't know kind of what the main takeaways were going to be, but for me, it has been just a a PSA for people to get a checkup. Like, this is basic stuff. It has been that thing around the fear and the anxiety about going to see a doctor. Like, it's okay. And honestly... This is wild. If you're actually worried about going to a doctor, can you take a close sibling or friend with you? Just for that moral support, like that's totally okay, right? And they've seen it all. I mean, I went to the urologist and he said, get on the bed and he put on a rubber glove and I'm like, what the hell? I mean, (laughs) 
it's just business as usual for these doctors. Honestly, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And it's just not a big deal. They do it day in, day out. And I just want to, yeah, everyone, we're all just bags of chemicals and blood and bones. And one other thing that I'm gleaning from this episode and the discussions, like you said earlier on, like evidence-based. Now, this is so important with our money. Don't just do something because some blogger or me said it on a podcast. Go to a GP yourself and get treatment and consultation based on you personally Hmm. in a closed room. Because like for me, if I went on some blog and they said, oh, you don't need anxiety medication, just exercise and eat your greens. It's not working for me. I'm sorry. I'm taking those pills to the grave at the moment. So I think it's okay to be on medication for stuff. Hmm. And I think it's okay if your treatment plan is a lifestyle thing because everything is so personal, right? And don't just be a Dr. Google. Don't be a Dr. Google. But it is important to understand. Exactly. But when it comes to, you know, getting advice is is going to see a professional. Yeah. Priya, was there anything that you wanted to add before we finish? Yeah, Glenn, I've talked a lot about evidence-based and so I thought it might be useful just to share some of that evidence Mm. and talk through some of the stats. Um, Breast cancer is an interesting one and we talked about young women being diagnosed with breast cancer. So the stat on that is actually quite alarming. So we've got three women under 40 who are diagnosed with breast cancer every day. So that, that is concerning and that's why it's so important for young women particularly to check themselves, get to know their breasts and if they feel anything abnormal to go and get that checked with their doctor. Um, I suppose some of the other interesting stats are around chronic conditions. So chronic conditions, we're definitely seeing an increase in in Australia, a rise in, in the diagnosis of those. Um, I think the latest information shows that 47% of Australians have one or more chronic conditions. Uh, we, we've spoken about BMI, so two-thirds of Australians are classified as overweight or obese, which is really not good news because I suppose obesity is one of those um, major risk factors for developing chronic diseases like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, musculoskeletal conditions, as well as some types of cancers. And I suppose if we look at what is underlying all of that, it really does come down to those basics of poor diet, not enough physical activity. Um, so I'd really like to encourage your listeners to follow those basic principles in terms of moving more, eating well, and getting enough sleep. Awesome. Dr. Priya Shagan, General Manager of Health Services at Tau. Thank you so much for coming on My Millennial Money. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for having me. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.